on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, April 25th. LA Galaxy get a uh, a rowdy 1-0 win over visiting Nashville SC. First time those two teams ever met. We're going to talk about that game. Uh... There was a lot going on in that game. A lot of tactics being played out. A lot of technical things that happened in that. Greg Vanny bringing in Dayan Jovalich. We're going to talk about Jovalich. The, the shouts for him getting minutes continue to get louder. Kevin Cabral's time on the field ends with some booze. We're going to talk about all of that uh, coming up on the show. A little bit on the U.S. Open Cup and tickets and all that entails that coming up too. Uh, some odds and ends in there as well. Some stats, all sorts of fun stuff to get to and to talk about and to help me do all that he's back it's kevin the panda baxter kev how you doing buddy hey you know in that intro it says that this is the show uh where you talk to uh reporters and mls insiders which one am i a- mls am I experts the- mls experts oh yeah. okay mm-hmm. yeah then i've got to be the other one <laughs> I'm not an expert in anything. <laughs> I, I don't I, I haven't figured out what you are yet either so don't worry we'll, we'll figure it out eventually however you, you many know, years this has been going on last week you said don't sleep on the defense. Uh-huh. Remember? And and that's true. Okay, so we got another week, another Galaxy sh- clean sheet, mm-hmm. another goal, all mm-hmm. one of them, one whole goal. Yep. So I'm, I'm not going to sleep on the defense, but, man, the offense is putting me is making me really drowsy. You're going to see me yawn a lot in this show just thinking about the offense. I, I'm going to say something. You go ahead. The LA Galaxy's offense has been the only thing keeping it afloat for years now. Right. It was scoring goals. It was get goals in because you're going to give goals up and everybody wasn't happy with that excitement. Uh, So you made your bed. Now lie in it. The L.A. Galaxy defense is going to continue this path. Maybe not as good as they're doing, because I think maybe they're outperforming a little bit about what we expect. But in terms of what they're doing right now, enjoy the fact that the defense is only making the offense score one goal. That's all you need. And. Don't forget who you played the last couple of games against because Chicago and Nashville are two of the most parky bussy teams in the league. Yeah, but 10 goals in eight games. Do you know who the number two scorer on the Galaxy is? It's that Portland defender who had a known goal. He's tied for second in goals, the Galaxy. Chicharito has five. Mm-hmm. There's five other people, including a guy who's not even on the team, right. who have one goal each. They, they have 10 goals in eight games. And remember, we don't know, we don't know what... Uh, uh, um, um, 
Costa is making yet, but we do know what Chicharito is making six million dollars. We do know that Cabral is around two million. So they're spending probably ten to eleven million dollars over half their payroll on attacking players, and they have ten goals in eight games. I don't think they're getting what they paid for. Yeah. Maybe with Chicharito. Uh, I w- oh, you think you think a guy who scored seventeen goals in twenty-one games last year and has scored five goals in eight games so far that you think maybe they're getting the money out of that? Jesus. Are you already into the ridiculous statements that are coming out of you? It's what? How many minutes into the show are we? We're five minutes in. One, just, one. You're sick and tired. You're sick and tired of all this the- winning. All this winning the Galaxy are doing. Oh, God, it's so annoying. These one nothing wins. Oh, God. You know, I liked it better when it was seven to six and the Galaxy lost. It's it well, just it's incomprehensible how quickly this fan base and quite honestly neutrals who are watching this team want to just turn on it. They're oh they're I'm, you know I'm what? not turning on it. It's just that the, I'm done the, with this team. No, no, come on. The perky and perpetually positive Nikki K last week called me a negative Nancy. And so, so you're I'm leaning out, into that. I'm coming into off the front foot. That's right. I understand. I understand. Um, no, um, I, I think if you look at this and and we'll get to the stats and and maybe I'll just jump to that one. This is the sixth best start in franchise history. It's one more point than they had last year in 2021. So we play the cautious tale that we played last year, which was, hey, the LA Galaxy started really great, Kevin, and then they did not finish so great. So do we feel and just just looking at this Nashville game as as sort of, you know, a good test or putting the Nashville and the Chicago games together? Do we feel like this Galaxy team is different than last year right now? And I'm going to say 100% yes, because they are winning games in a much different way, uh, more comprehensive way. Uh, I, I will say this. I have not felt this comfortable around the Galaxy's defense in a very long time. But that most of the game against Nashville, I was like, I don't know, I don't know why Nashville is trying to score. The Galaxy aren't going to let them. Like, you could just sort of sit. It's like, you can try to counter all you want. Galaxy are going to cover it. And to their credit in this game, the Galaxy covered transitions, and, and that's a buzzword for Greg, right? Transitions. They covered the transitions perfectly. They did it better than they have in any other game. And guys like Derek Williams, who who made the team of the week, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Derek Williams, who made the team of the week, um, and Sega Koulibaly, who if you came into the season saying that Sega Koulibaly was going to be one of the best defenders the LA Galaxy have had through eight games... And you said that at the end of last season, they're like, don't worry, next year, the first eight games, Sega Koulibaly is going to be awesome. Everybody be like, okay, clearly imbibing too much tequila before the game or after the game or during the game. Um, But he has been simply outstanding uh, in everything that he's done. He's been the most consistent defender the LA Galaxy have had over eight games. Uh, And his pairing with Derek Williams is now solidified. And that defense is pretty well set. The biggest issue that I have with the LA Galaxy's defense is that Raheem Edwards if he goes down, the LA Galaxy has all sorts of problems. Um, you can put Kelvin Leardam there, but you're certainly not going to get the same production out of what the Galaxy are doing. And to your point, Raheem Edwards is a big reason why this offense is moving so much, and he's a defender. Well, and, and well, I mean, when Sueno comes back, it'll give them a l- little bit of coverage. But you're right about the defense. I, I looked at some stats today. I, last year, they gave it 54 goals. Jonathan Bond had to stand on his head to have a chance in a number of those games that they won. And, and you could see, I think if you look at the number of goals they gave up late, Jonathan Bond was so active, he just simply got tired at the end of games. Last year, he was third in the league in saves, gave, and the Galaxy gave up 54 goals. Not all of them, Jonathan Bond, there were four that, that Klinsman gave up. But Jonathan Bond alone faced over five and a half shots a game when you include the, 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 the goals that, he, that went in and the ones that he saved. This year, it's half that. He's facing 2.75 shots a game, exactly half. He has four shutouts. He had four shutouts all of last year. Right. Eight games, he has four shutouts. He's given up six goals. He has played every minute, uh, n- not counting U.S. Open Cup, every MLS minute Jonathan Bond has played. He's given up six goals, second fewest in the league. Uh, 
the, the defense is carrying this team, and it's night and day different. And I think you see a better Jonathan Bond. Why? Because when a, a, a keeper has to make two or three saves a game, I think he can do that for the most part. It's when he's making seven, eight, and ten. Remember that one game he had 15 saves? Yes. Uh, that That's just not sustainable. No. Uh, you know, a, a, a keeper cannot concentrate at that level for that long, and he gets physically exhausted as well. So the, the defense, you talk about Williams, Kolobali, you know, they're playing really well. And, and I know that one of the things you wanted to talk about, because I am going to make uh, the, the argument that I think that Dayan Jovalik needs to play more. And I think oh, he needs you tried. To it was, you even and, asked how to say his name at the beginning and you still didn't get it right. Try Ibrahimovic. again. Yes. So it's Jovel. Jovalik. No, Jovalich. It's just like Ibrahimovic. Jovalich. How about, did I do okay on Dayan? <laughs> yes, you did. It was perfect. Yeah, we'll stay with that okay. one then. All right, cool. We'll stay with Dayan. Cool. Uh, one of the things, I mean, I think Dayon can spark this off this offense. It's right now, uh, the Galaxy are, I think, second or third in the league in shots on target, but they're second to last in shooting percentage, meaning they're getting the opportunities. They're not converting them. And I right. know that you have some stats that show that Kevin Cabral is creating opportunities. He's not finishing. That's the problem. Yeah. You can create opportunities all you want, but if the ball doesn't go in the net, it doesn't count. And, you know, Fanny even said that Dayon is a great finisher, that he is probably one of the better finishers on the team. Okay, well, if the problem is we're getting chances, but we're not scoring, then we need to finish, then maybe bring your best finisher onto the field. I think one reason that Greg's a little reticent to do that is Dayon is not the typical winger like Cabral and Grancier and, and Costa. And that would mean he'd have to go to a four four two, and those he and, and Dan would have to play up front with Chicharito. And, and I think that Vanny really likes Chicharito as the target striker. But again, he has five of the ten goals. He has, uh, you know, the second guy on the team. Cabral is tied for second for shots on goal with four. Mm-hmm. Everything goes through Chicharito. And and you saw you were t- talking about but before we started this podcast how Walker Zimmerman and Dave Romney were just all over Chicharito. That's the only guy they fear. Right. Right, but and it then it, it, and then it, it ends it up too, being somebody else. I mean, well, but, yeah, but it makes it too easy for them to defend because it's not somebody else. He has five of their ten goals. Yeah, but two of the two of the last three goals the LA Galaxy have scored have come from somebody not named Chicharito. So, and grant, granted, one of them was from a defender, which is Sega Koulibaly, right in the LAFC game. Um, I like how you go through all the talking points that we were supposed to spread out over a show <laughs> in the first 11 minutes. I'm going to stop giving you show rundowns. That way you can't be like, let's talk about this. And then we're going to go into this. Cause I mean, we haven't really even gotten to lineups and you want to talk about a four, four, two, and I'm going to tell you something that might blow your mind. The LA galaxy played in a four, four, two for most of this game. Absolutely. hundred percent. An easy switch then. It was an easy switch, which is why it made a lot of sense to make and it. By, by the way, you know, I've, I actually told you yesterday, I thought we should play a 4 2 2 2, which you didn't like. No, because I, I think that's stupid. A 4 4 4 2 2 2 is the same as a 4 4 2. It's just in a different diamonds formation. You're just assigning the midfielders to a different role. You know, people are talking, telling me, oh, we'll put, you know, Ravellison up at the top of the. Okay, then play a 4 4 4 uh, 4 4 2 diamond. Okay, cool. Still a 4 4 2. Just variations on a theme, boys and girls, you know. And I'm not a Bruce Arena guy, but Greg's says this all the time too which is it's just a starting position and very rarely do you see teams attack in the same position that they are uh formation that they defend in 100 correct and whenever the galaxy would defend out of this particular situation cabral would drop back into the midfield and he would chase down and grand sir was up there listen there was a very important reason why the galaxy decided to play two forwards up top and this is greg vanney learning from what happened against chicago okay now 
Uh, I was talking with Scott French after the game uh, against Nashville, and we were in the writer's room. We were getting ready to talk to some people, and it was uh, Damian Calhoun and Scott French and myself. And we were just talking there, and Scott goes, you know, the thing about the Chicago game was it was a much more uh, better tactical game. And I disagree 100%, but, you know, I'm not going to sit there and start that argument with Scott in, that, in the writer's room. This was a better tactical game. And the reason it was a better tactical game is this 4-4-2 was the correct formation playing against Nashville, who's going to play a... I know their formation shows five across the midfield, but it's not. It's five across the back line because um, Lovitz and Mule, they drop back into and then you have three really good center backs with Dave Romney, Zimmerman and May and Mayer. Right. And so you have those guys on the back line. You put the five back there. Now they have five and they drop four in front of that. So now they have nine. They very quickly can get 11 guys behind the ball. If you're Nashville, we saw the same thing, Kevin, against Colorado. Right. We saw that or not Colorado, but uh, Chicago. Um, is that Chicago, low block team, low block, frustrated the LA Galaxy, weren't able to find really those those moments. I would say the only difference between Chicago and Nashville, Nashville takes their low block to, to the next level, which is making sure that even when they're pressed up into the, into the play, that they're never actually pressed up that far. There's not a lot of room to run in behind Nashville. They do that for a reason. Make the field compact. But it also means that as much as Chicago is anti-soccer with Ezra Hendrickson trying to trying to get all those things together, just trying to survive Chicago, right? Chicago is going to be one of those teams like Nashville. Like uh, Nashville, I think, set the league record for draws. Was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. It was, it was one of those. Every game they played was a draw because they're not looking to attack. They would rather take the one point a lot of times. This was a game they came in looking for the one point and perhaps highway robbery if they ever got a chance on goal which they got one shot on goal the entire night, uh, four total shots from Nashville as well. And I think it was Leal who had a first half shot and that was it. Jonathan Bond made a pretty easy save. So, you know, you were talking about saves and Jonathan Bond, they got one save on the night because he was only tested once. That was pretty much it. Um, so Greg Vanny had seen the games against Chicago. He had seen the games against Orlando, low block counterattack, right? Orlando opens up more than Nashville and Chicago does, but still low block. Seattle, low block the heck out of the LA Galaxy whenever they played in Seattle. Low block, lobs over the top, lots of counterattacking. But again, Seattle more advanced in terms of what they're trying to do. What was the big thing that we learned in Chicago was that the Galaxy needed help on that front line in order to break through the front line and create chances. And whenever you move that close to the goal, it actually gets harder because it's more compact, right? So what did Greg Vanny do? He played a 4-4-2, which at times probably had five or six LA Galaxy players on the front line occupying their defenders along that back line. So if you look at the midfield stripe, a lot of times you would see Cabral up there. You would see Chicharito up there. You would see Grand Sur up there. Um, you know, you would see guys pressing up against it. Um, you know, Alvarez would sort of tuck in between. The One of the big moves that Greg Vanny made after he brought Costa in and sort of moved Costa into the middle was he was screaming at Revelison at one point in the second half to get forward and make a run. And Revelison sort of shrugs his shoulders and takes off on a run. Like, I, he, he really shrugged, Kevin, which is always like hysterical for me, whatever. Like a coach is like, you go down there and you run. The guy's like, all right, I guess I'll go down there. So, and he just takes off in this run, occupies two players. Chicharito pulls out in between the spot. He moves over. Costa came into the space that was vacated by Ravellison and Chicharito moving in another direction. And all of a sudden Costa got a shot on goal. Um, so like there's all these little things that Greg was trying to do to occupy the number of players that they had in the back. And so against Nashville right now, in this particular situation, the 4-4-2 was the perfect formation to be played up there and how they were trying to play it, which was to occupy a lot of those defenders. It doesn't work against everybody. 
Um, so, you know, saying that Dayon coming in, and this is absolutely 100% correct. It was funny because Eric, after the game, said, Josh is going to tell me that you can't swap these guys like for like. I'm like, well, actually, Eric, you can in this formation with a 4-4-2 because Dayon came in and we have the audio from Greg. We can hear him explain it because I think it's super interesting. But he talks about Dayon playing in this half space, Kevin, a half space between a winger and sort of that forward, the the position that Cabral was sort of playing, but it is more open to what Dayon does and it keeps him out of Chicharito's way, which is one of the other things that it does. That's I know it's long-winded, but I've been thinking about this a lot. It made perfect sense for Dayon to, to come in there. And I think you're right. Dayon absolutely needs more minutes. Um, it's, yeah, he had 50, he's 51 this season, I think. 51 in six games played. So he's played in six games and he has 51 minutes. It's hard. I think I have as many minutes as Dayon in games because you know if yeah, you stand and- on the sideline, you get some minutes. And when he came in last last year, remember Chicharito was hurt, and he started, I think, the first 12 games or something like that. He started a lot, and, and he performed fairly well. And I, I just think that the Galaxy, as you said, with this formation after the Chicago game, they changed things up a little bit. I think Dayon coming in, if he stays out of Chicharito's way, and and you know his instincts are to push into the, the space that Chicharito's already occupied, um, and, and that's not going to work. But if he can steal, uh, steer clear of Chicharito, I think he, they can complement one another. Of course you just got to make sure they, they stay on separate sides of the field because if they wind up in the same spot, then that defeats everything. It does. But, I mean, there's an important part to this that, yes, they absolutely lined up at a 4-4-2. And on the attacking side, which was the majority of the time for the LA Galaxy, they held a ton of possession in this game, a, a tremendous amount of possession uh, in this game, I think ended up with, let's see, what did they say? Almost 68, 67% to 33. I can tell you right now that the second half possession for the LA Galaxy reached 75%. So they had 57% possession in the first half. Galaxy held 75% possession in the second half, With which if you were at this game, you felt. You felt every minute of that because it was very clear that the LA Galaxy were dominating this game. Um, but with that in a 4-4-2 is that in a 4-4-2, you're not usually going to see somebody drop back and play defense out of those two forwards that came back. They didn't defend in a 4-4-2, and a lot of times whenever they would come back, it would be Cabral who would come back, and he made a couple really nice runs uh, to recover on defense and sniff out some some counterattacks and do those types of things. That's something you're not going to get from day on. So you're going to lose that in the midfield if what? if you're going to play him. And that's the problem, is that the, we agree the defense is playing out of their mind right now, and are they are they playing uh, you know over their heads? I don't know. I mean, they've they've been consistent through eight games. So I, I think you got to say that, that they're this good, but now if you change and, and we know that defending as a team game, it's not just the defenders, even the holding midfielders, it's everybody except maybe Robbie Keane. Um, everyone's supposed to play defense. And if you do move day on in and take Cabral out, you do lose a defender because, you know, he, Dayon has not shown the ability or the, or the, the desire, I guess, to track back to the extent that Cabral does, who's the fastest player on the field and probably one of the fastest in the league. And so he, he can make up for a lot of mistakes by other players just simply with his speed. Yeah, uh, let's get to Greg Vanny and what he said. And then I want to get back to all the geniuses that I see around Twitter and the Discord and everything else that tell that say, you know, if they just work on it in training, Dayon and, and Chicharito together. I, they do. And and that does happen. And they and are Dayon working. talked about that. He talked about how he loves playing with him and training. And he says, we can play together. Exactly. He can. And so they're working on it. And this is something that they're, they're, they're working. But also, um, I'm not there at training, Kevin, and you're not there at training. This is the one time where Greg has a, has a real advantage over what happens uh, on and, the field. And, yeah. And before you go any further, it, it, people saying, well, they should work on that in training. Uh, and Greg will explain this, but... Look, if Dayon is not the starter, 
you're not going to have him work with the starting guy. You're going to have the starters work together. You're not going to say, hey, let's spend a whole training session with some, we'll put in some second string guys to work with the starting lineup because they're never going to see the field together probably. So let's work on that. No, you're not going to do that. Until Dayon becomes a starter, he's not going to get tons of reps with Chicharito because what's the point? There, there's two positions, there's two ways that I see Dayon getting more minutes. And I agree with everybody. I see it what everybody else sees. And, and listen, I have a very favorable view of Kevin Cabral in terms of what he's able to do. And I think he does a lot of things really well. Uh, the finishing is not part of that. Uh, as I've said before, most frustrating Galaxy player I've probably ever watched. Um, just 95% of everything is almost exactly the way that you want it to be with him. Uh, and that last 5%, which is why, by the way, you get the expensive 5%, right? The last 5% of a striker or a goal scorer or a winger is where you make your money, right? It's scoring goals. It's putting goals in the back of the net, and he's not doing that. Um, in this particular game, he had the highest XG. By the way, I should put this into perspective, though. Uh, none of the XG games, none of this game did not have a high XG rating. That both of the, both teams finished under one. So technically speaking, XG was saying maybe nobody scored in this game. That's what XG is saying. It's eh, maybe nobody scored in this game. And the fact that the Galaxy did score and for where Day Dayon scored from. Uh, means that it wasn't a great look in terms of overall XG. It was a low percentage shot because it's at an extreme angle and he put it in the right spot, which again, Craig Manning got it. He's a competitor, 100%. Here is, uh, Damien asked this great question. I thought this was really the story of the entire game. So let's hear from Greg Vanny what he had to say uh, about bringing in Jovalich. And he was ready to bring Jovalich in at about the 70th minute, Kevin. And then he sent him back down to the corner. He didn't bring him in right away. Greg had a reason for that. And that was sort of what Damien was asking about. So here is uh, Greg Vanny after uh, after the game. Yeah, I brought Dayon to put him in as a second striker. But before I wanted to go to that, I wanted to see what it looked like with Kevin is the winger, mainly because I wanted to see what Douglas looked like on the inside position before I, I made that switch. Uh, I wanted to see if Douglas got more involved being central, what, what that could unlock with him and Ephra working together and those guys. Dayon's not really a winger, so I was a little bit hesitant to make that change right off the bat. Um, but as I, as I saw, again, us having so much control, that half space, if you will, on that side where Kevin was, there was a lot of opportunity, I thought, to get, if Dayon could get facing forward with his finishing ability, he, he would have a good look on goal. Uh, and I didn't want to take Douglas out of the middle because I thought, again, I thought the fluidity, the movement, some of the things that were going to unlock the defense were happening when Douglas came inside. And so uh, I had I got to a point where I was, I you know, talking with the staff. I'm like, let's just put Dayon on as the left winger because maybe he can get himself facing forward. It's an inside position anyways based on what we were doing. Uh, it's just not going to be natural for him when it comes to defending if, if we happen to have to sit in a lower block, which is something I was not in a lower block, but if they could just establish any possession. And so that was something I was trying to balance out. Um, so, but putting him in, uh, I'm so happy for him because he's a kid who works really hard. He's a, he's a hell of a finisher. We've been talking a lot over the last few weeks just about when we have a lot of possession, how he can, how he can still be a goal scorer and impact the game. And we had a lot of possession, and again, he was able to face forward, I think because he was a little bit in the half space and not necessarily as a striker, uh, and he showed his quality when, when he had that look. And again, I'm really happy for the kid because he's, he's, uh, he busts his butt and he cares, and that's, that's important. All right, there you go, Greg Vanny. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that is the answer to one question. Greg <laughs> Vanny does not cheat you when he answers your question. Yeah, no, I mean... It's pretty complete. Well, and that is, that's super interesting because it goes through all of the machinations in his head of what he was trying to do and how he was trying to affect things. So often, 
I think certainly is the way I watch games is I'm reactive, right? Greg makes a change and then I react to that change and I see what's going on. Very rarely do I sit there and say, oh, well, you know, if they just move day on in and put them in this half space and turn over here, you know, with Costa now taking a shot into the middle, uh, Stan Van Gundy, uh, who is former NBA coach uh, and is an NBA analyst, was on Twitter today. And he was, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but he was just roasting people because they, they were watching the NBA playoffs. And he was like, just because you don't see the adjustments that coaches make doesn't mean that they don't happen. He goes, sometimes it doesn't even matter if you make the adjustments because the team you're playing against is just too good. They're too good of a team and it doesn't matter if you make the adjustments, even if they're right, the right adjustments for the situation. He goes, it doesn't matter. But also those adjustments are happening whether you see them or not. And so hearing Greg Vanny talk about moving Costa to the center, seeing about the space that was going to open up with Alvarez also cutting into the center. So basically you had Costa and you had Alvarez who were occupying sort of these center spaces and Costa playing more of a central attacking midfielder, a cam role in this case, which we haven't seen a bunch of him in. But again, Vanny trying to get the offensive players facing towards goal and trying to open up spaces, trying to get creativity in there. And without Victor Vasquez, again, uh, who was who was dealing with a hamstring injury, so he was not available for this game. But without Victor Vasquez, who is the creator for the LA Galaxy? No ifs, ands, or buts about that. He is a creative force when he is on the field. He is not on the field that much because he can't handle 90 minutes anymore. But when he is there, he creates the chances. And if you want to talk about the LA Galaxy's offense being a little more stifled right now, one of the reasons is Victor Vasquez not playing in the last two or three games and not being fully fit and 100% available for that as well, right? So that's something. But with Costa coming in and playing in the center, with Alvarez playing in the center and moving more in, trying to break that back line, trying to find passes in and out, Greg said something really, really important in this, and it's a perfect criticism of Kevin. Uh, Kevin Cabral, too, is that he said Kevin put himself in a lot of really good positions, but he was not ready for the ball when it came to him. He wasn't ready for the ball at the speed of which it was going to be played. And there were a couple combinations, I think, with Costa and Chicha, where Chicha passed the ball on a one time. And if Kevin was paying attention, he's in on goal and he scores. Right. And he he just didn't anticipate that Chicha was going to one time it to him. And you saw Chicharito getting frustrated. Listen, the players are getting frustrated. I know the fans are getting frustrated with Kevin Cabral. The players are getting frustrated with Kevin Cabral. And some of that frustration for me still has to do with the fact that he gets so close and doesn't finish. I think that's the well, biggest frustration part. I think Kevin Cabral's season, you could boil it down to about a four second um, video clip. And that was the goal he scored in the U S open cup where he got open. You can't though. So that's, I, I no, can't. But wait a minute. Let, let, let me finish. Mm -hmm. he, he made a tremendous move and got open, then put a shot that he should have buried off the post. The shot came straight back to him where there's nothing he could do. It hit his foot. I don't think he moved his foot. I think the ball hit him and then it went in. And that just shows you he has the talent, the ability, the smarts, the intelligence, the moves to get open. Then when he gets open, he can't finish. And in that case, the ball just came right back to him and, and he got lucky and it went in. I mean, here's a guy, again, second on the team in shots on target. Doesn't have a goal or an assist this season. You, it, see, that's the whole thing, though. You want to boil it down to just what he does offensively. And Greg Vanny speaks at volume, at well, length about what he does. Are, you think the players are upset going, you know, Kevin Cabral, your no, defense. No. I'm really upset with you. They're frustrated with his offense. Yeah, he's he, an attacker. Yeah. At that's the same, what he's paid to do. At the same time. No, he's a winger, Kevin, which means he has defensive responsibilities. These are not black and white players. These are gray players. Kevin Cabral has defensive responsibilities as much as anybody else on the field. And when guys like, let's see, 
Uh, who was a winger? Oh, like Costa. Costa has no defensive responsibilities, even whenever he runs back and he tries. But we, but the Galaxy know that, and they and they they force that to the strong side, which is usually why Julian Araujo is back on that side, is to be able to try to cover for Costa in, in different ways, right? So there's certain guys that don't play defense. Kevin Gabral is not one of those guys, right? And so that's an important part of what he's bringing. Now, I'll say this. If you want to fight for Cabral and you say he doesn't deserve to start, I'm fine with that. It's Grand Sur who gets his minutes, though. That's yeah. that, that's that's the trade-off there. And then it's up to Greg Vanny to figure out how to get Dayon into more games. The best way to get Dayon into more games is to give Chicharito more rest. Because Chicharito's played, I think, almost every minute of every game he has, and he's gotten pulled out a couple times, and, and he got pulled and out. he played in the U.S. Open Cup, which I don't understand at all. And, and so, you know, this is... Um, by the way, I got I got called out. Well, technically, Kevin Cabral is black, so it is a black and white. Like there, I said, I said these players are not black and white. No, technically, he's black. That's correct. Kevin Cabral and, and, and Dayon is, was white, so the black yeah, and white. Right. They are yeah, black yeah. and white players. I was I stand corrected. Um, and, and the whole deal. No, and and this is you know this is uh, Alexis says we did not sign Kevin Cabral as a DP to play defense. No, you signed Kevin Cabral as a winger, and a winger plays offense and defense. Well, what are the other? What are the teammates? You said the teammates are frustrated. What are they frustrated with? On his offensive side, they were also okay. There, yeah, there. Thank yeah. you. No, that's thank fine. You. That's the point we're making. No, no, that's the point you're making. My point is they were also cheering whenever he ran back and tracked back and stopped somebody on defense when nobody else was following the run, right? So again, there's levels to what he does. There's a reason Greg Vanny has him now. Dayon needs more minutes. Dayon flat out said, "I deserve more than." five minutes or three minutes or forget exactly what the quote was. So Dayon deserves to get more minutes, hundred percent agree. So there has to be a way in order to do that. One is to play Dayon with Chicharito in a four, four, two more. I think you're going to find Greg will go to that when the galaxy are losing games and they need to score. That's why Greg sort of put him in, in this game, right? Was the galaxy needed to score a goal. They were comfortable on the defensive end. They didn't feel threatened on the defensive end. So they were able to give up that defense and they were able to go ahead and put that offense in play. This is something that Greg does whenever he goes maybe to three in the back and he pushes, you know, Araujo up on the wing as a wing back or Raheem Edwards as a wing back and pushes those guys forward and sort of lets them go whenever they need. It's not Greg Vanny's preferred form formation, not for this Galaxy team, but it's something he can go to. And so but, I you think know, I you're... I don't think that's good, Dayon. I don't think he's Alan Gordon. I don't think he comes in and plays 15 minutes and changes the game. Alan Gordon was great at that. Very few players in MLS history that did what Alan Gordon could do as a substitute off the bench. I think Dayon is a guy who needs to get into the rhythm. I think he's a, at minimum, you know, 20, 25, 35-minute guy uh, to really be effective. I don't think he comes off. He he did this game. Yes, he came in very late and scored the, the winning goal late. But I, I think he needs more minutes. I don't think he's a, a game-changer off the bench. Uh, yeah, I think he is a game changer off the bench, uh, and he's going to have to be. He doesn't have a position on this team, um, and that's regardless of Kevin Cabral. If you want to sit Kevin Cabral on the bench, that's fine. Greg Sir starts, and then Dayon still doesn't have a starting position because, as you said, Greg is more com more comfortable and likes Chicharito up there um, in the in that position. And you know, people are asking about you know central attacking midfielders. We've said that the Galaxy should look at a central attacking midfielder for months and years um, to try and get somebody in that position to to make. Um, to, to make this creativity a little better. And that's what Costa was sort of playing. The problem is in the normal formation that Greg Vanny likes to play, um, there really is no cam needed there, at least not to him. He gets it from well, other guys, right? And it, so it, if he's going to play a 4-4-2, that's a different story. But if you say it's Grand Seer or, or Cabral, Dayan, no, it's not though. But, but okay, so who are your four midfielders then? If we have Chicharito and Dayan up top. Yeah. 
Yeah. Who are the four in the midfield? We got Grant you Sir. Got Mark, Marky Mark, uh-huh. and and uh, uh, Ravellison. Ravellison. Right. And then you have Grand Sir and probably Costa. Those are, and our Efrain out there. Okay. Well, there's there's your four. That's the four, four, two. You mm-hmm. got Dayan with Chicharito. Right. Grant Sear, who you want. Costa, who you want. Mm-hmm. The two central midfielders. Right. So I, I don't, Grant Sear's in there. Costa's in there. Mm-hmm. Dayan's in there. I think they, they all fit. So I think. I think Dayon comes in for in that formation you just showed what they played this last game. Dayon mm-hmm. takes takes uh, Cabral's spot and right. everyone else stays there. Right, but they don't play in a four four two. They did this game. That, I mean, that's the, like this is the whole. This boils down to the argument. They don't play in a four four two. So whenever you take somebody off in this particular case, you're giving up something on defense. You heard Greg Vanny just talk about he was worried about what would happen if Dayon got put in a defensive position. Should Nashville establish possession? This is not hard. I don't know why everybody stre- like stretches to figure this out. I know this is backup quarterback syndrome. You see it in the NFL all the time. Well, this guy sucks. So how about you bring the? You know what? Get the backup quarterback in there. Yeah, let's let him. Oh, and he throws three interceptions. Gosh, you know, or he throws a touchdown. He's the best quarterback in the world. Let's start him. You're not seeing what's going on in training. You're not being able to. And I, I don't understand how anybody can sit here and say that Greg Vanny hasn't pulled all the right strings so far. He has. Right outside of the loss to Orlando, which was the most disappointing loss, I think, out of anything that's sort of happened here in the early moments, they've played a lot. And not only that, but they're establishing themselves as a very difficult team to beat. You are seeing a resurgence of the LA Galaxy under Greg Vanny right now. The defense is playing better. The offense is scoring goals. They're winning games. They're scoring goals. Where? When? When have they scored goals? Uh, Enough to be third place in the Western or conference. That's eleven million dollars on three designated players, and they have ten goals in eight games. It does. Does it matter if you win win games, Kevin? Is that what's the goal here? Just to score goals? Because I think the Galaxy did that with Zlatan, right? How many goals did he score? And how many how many playoff games did the Galaxy play? And how many MLS Cups did they get? Oh, that's right. It's not about scoring goals. It's about winning games. It's about three points. Not you don't get you don't get more than three points for scoring the most goals. It doesn't matter. All right. So. That's not the point here. The uh, the problem the the point here is that the Galaxy are playing well as a team. All right, and so fitting day on in is important, and it's mostly important because Chicha's bound to get injured this year. Right, we have not seen him have a healthy year the entire time, so that's a huge. I mean, you talked about it, and I think it got buried. You said Chicha played in in the in the Open Cup. When they were winning, he came in when the game was. Yes. They were winning. It wasn't like he was coming in to chase the game for him. Why? What I mean, in, in what in what language in what area is is putting more minutes on Chicharito's sometimes fragile legs? And listen, he looks like he's in great shape. He was in great shape last year. Played in twenty one games, right? Not thirty four. Twenty one. There's the Greg Greg City wants to get guys used to playing three times a week. Mm-hmm. Hey, Chicharito played for Manchester United, where they played three times a week all the time. Right at 33, 34 now, I don't think he needs any more practice at three times a week. What he needs is to sit down and to rest when he doesn't have to play. Because when they get to those three times a week uh, part of the schedule, he's not playing all three games. I mean, he, he, so what does he need to train for? Well, what does well, he need to practice that for? Well, by your definition, he has to though, because he's the only guy scoring goals, right? I mean, this is this is the well, this no, is the by argument. Then, yeah. by that time, Dayon will be up at fifteen or twenty goals. I think. Yeah. By the way, we had two super chats in here, um, and actually now three super chats. I have to go back. Patrick started us off with a ten dollars super chat. Thank you, Patrick. He says finally Dayon and Cheech get in the game together, so he likes that. That was right off the bat. Uh, we had Mike Gray who gave us a five dollar super chat and says, "Let it out, Josh." Um, and then Darren 
Uh, but I like, I like Mike em, em, embraces my therapy sessions. Cause I've just been watching people lose their minds for a team. Yeah, the sex, the sixth Chicha best start. Talking about mental health all the time. You, you need to sit down with Chicha. Chicha needs to like, give me some mental exercises yeah, for everybody on Twitter. Um, and then Darren says, don't usually watch live. So can't super chat. So here's one for the cause. Darren gave us a $10 super chat as well. So thank you all that. We appreciate it. Um, but we don't know where he comes down on the day on. It doesn't matter. Okay. It, it, I mean, right. so this is the whole this is the whole point is Dayon will get his minutes. I'm I and listen, the 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 voices are only gonna get louder. One, I am always a hundred percent, and I will I stand by this. I'm a hundred percent you're allowed to vote with your voice at games. If you think Kevin Cabral is a bad player, then go ahead and boo. Which he's, but he's not a bad player. He's a very good Kevin, player. Kevin, he got booed off the field. He got booed they, off they, the field. I'm just I, I don't know about that i'm just saying he's not a bad player he's a good player he's struggling a little bit it happens to everybody look at look at bellinger with the dodgers i mean had a terrible season last year he's lighting it up this year he'll find his way it's just right now i think the better option for the galaxy is it's a start grand sir no you can't again it's not cabral or Dayon. that's not and greg vanny will tell you the same thing and this is not josh being a greg vanny apologist i certainly am understanding which way he is trying to coach and how he sees things he explains it to us all the time he's an open book for the most part you ask him the question you're gonna get the answer um what if he plays as a false nine what does that do I don't know. I just heard you it. Just, on, you just heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was I just thought I'd throw it out. <laughs> you, you were pretty certain you were going to be like, but, oh, you know, it's the it's the double pivot and ends up in an empty bucket. That's what it is. You know, we could we could throw out all the fun uh, Did, fun terms. Didn't that help um, Ted Lasso get it, out of the, the it, relegation zone? It may have. I, I can't remember exactly, but yes, the false nine. Uh, Chicha Chicha kind of almost plays a false nine at times. Um, but he is on the front line a lot, leading stuff out, so it sort of throws it away. Like a false nine would be a guy who plays up top and sort of comes back into the midfield a lot to create more than he does as, as an all-and-out striker, right? I, I think Landon did a lot of that. Yeah, there was some false nines in, in, in Landon's vocabulary as well. Um, but no, back to Chicharito, is that if you want Dayon to get more minutes, then start limiting Chicharito's minutes, because that's what needs to happen. Um, and I'm all for, by the way, a midweek game, Dayon gets a start. Uh, I think what's happened is we're we're eight minutes or we're eight games in this, uh, and Dayon played something like seven hundred and something minutes last year. Okay, he's had fifty one. Well, Chicha- he came in half at, at the midseason, so yeah, double it, that. He he was on pace for fourteen hundred minutes. Right, right, and and a lot of the reasons that Dayon played as well was because Chicha got injured. But I have a feeling right. that happens again. Um, and and so I think you're going to see that Dayon will get the starts and he'll get the minutes. I preach patience with this. Uh, be upset at Cabral. By the way, like I said, you can vote with your voice. Let me finish that thought. You can vote with your voice in doing it. I, I support that. I, I support ways of voting with your money, voting with your voice, writing letters, uh, that type of thing. As long as you're somewhat respectful. I don't think booing is disrespectful. I think it's showing displeasure with what's going on. Um, and as long as you're not getting in Kevin's face as he's walking by and like, boo, right in his face, I, I feel that that's respectful enough and that's fine. But at that being said, this is a five-year contract and... I feel like the galaxy are going to stick with Kevin on this. And I feel like they think he can develop and God, if he could finish Kevin, he'd be one of the most electric players on the LA galaxy. And so I think he's, I think he's a really good player. I think he's just struggling and he needs a little help. And another thing I would say, when you mentioned, I thought that was a good point. Like, you're believing Chicharito is going to get hurt or at least needs to sit down. I think Costa gets rest. hurt again. Like I think Costa gets hurt well, again. Yeah, I think Chicha gets hurt. Yeah. Yes. Costa is a human humble figurine. He's going to get hurt again. But um, with if you believe Chicharito is going to miss some minutes to injury or whatever, rest, 
then I think you do need that's even more of a cause to get Dayon out there because you don't want to have a guy say, Oh, you haven't played in a month. Well, now you're going to replace the, the league's second leading scorer. So get out there and bag some goals for us. Yeah. Um, again, by the way, a $2 super chat from Christian in there says Grant Sear clearly wants it more. I agree. Grant Sear got subbed in this game. Grant Sear was not happy about it. I like it. I like how fired up he was, all right? So he was like, what? Why am I coming out? Kevin Cabral can't hit the broadside of a barn with a shotgun. Here, here I have to come out? Um, and I, I think rightfully so. I understand why he's upset. I think that Jovalich isn't happy with the minutes. Um, I think all of those things are true. I, I don't have a problem with any of this. I just don't think it's this quite the civil unrest that everybody else thinks that needs to be right now. It's like I, li I people are literally typing in Discord and on Twitter, well, Vandy's going to lose his job because he's not playing Cabral. I'm like, have you been watching the games? They're winning, right? They're winning games, right? That's what's happening. They're third in the West right now, keeping pace with who's uh, LAFC, who's on another record-setting pace, right? They're right behind them there. They just beat them. That's that's the same team that you're saying Greg Vandy's losing his job. I'm just I just want to check to make sure the. Well, if you like his defense so much, why don't you do the Giassi's artist thing? Make him a right back. <laughs> you get Giassi's artist and get a backup right back for uh, for Julian Araujo. Now, I think they're they're good with uh, Giassi's artist going to Colorado. Though uh, Galaxy will face off against Giassi a little more than they have in recent years, uh, being in the Western Conference, and the Galaxy haven't played Colorado yet, so they'll get two games against Giassi and and company. Dave Romney and Ethan Zubak came back to play against uh, the LA Galaxy. Oh, forget about Ethan Zubak in 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 Nashville. Ethan did not make the. Uh, did not make the field. Dave Romney played all of it and ended up getting cheap shotted by Chicha at the end. Um, let's talk about the goal though, because it's something we haven't talked about. And I think it's important because it Who is scored the goal. A day on that was, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's another guy not named Chicharito. Yeah. I just wanted you to make sure that you didn't. <laughs> yeah, Chicharito scores exactly. all the goals except for these ones. Um, so it wasn't Cabral that scored this week. It was, Dayon. it wasn't okay. no, all right. no. Uh, and Cabral had a chance. There was a cross that came in in like the 60th something minute. That, but he was backing up to play defense and missed the ball. No, he was on offense <laughs> this time. Uh, and he was in the perfect spot to do it, and he didn't get there. And I just I can't imagine the anger that Chicharito had after putting that cross in exactly where it was supposed to be. So, uh, again, I see everything that everybody else sees. Um, I just, I just not exactly as a reactionary as some other, uh, $20 super chat. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, we appreciate wow. that. Thanks Kyle. Um, so again, uh, <laughs> somebody well, what did Kyle so, say? What so, did Kyle he just gave us $20. He didn't say anything. Oh wow. So, yeah. That's so awesome. even better. Yeah, I know. It doesn't come with any strings Silent attached partner. or anything like that. Um, <laughs> it was fun. Somebody just said that, uh, Ethan Zubak played his normal position. Um, oh, on the, mean. on the bench. It's so mean. So how dare, how dare people say that? But he's recovered from the COVID. Uh, it seems to have, um, I'm trying to say, let's talk about the goal. So the, the big deal here is, and, and the goal was an interesting one, um, just in terms of how it was finally created. And, and I talked about expected goals and the expected goals are not, there's, there's nothing in this. Kevin Gabral led the LA galaxy with a 0.26 expected goals. Um, that was it. You, you have Douglas Costa, who was right behind him at 0.15. Uh, Javier had a 0.13. I mean, these are minuscule numbers. Sometimes you can have 1.4 or 1.5. There's nothing in any of these numbers that really add up to anything. So the expected goals weren't there. Even Dayon's goal is not like a high percentage shot or a high percentage take or chance on this one. So, um, you know, having said that, the, the ball that's created is, is Araujo crossing the ball in. 
Um, it is Sega Koulibaly, again, who didn't make Team of the Week despite being the better defender. Uh, and then he headed it, and it, it ran right into uh, into Derek Williams. Derek Williams turned and fed a nice little ball out to uh, Dayon. Uh, so Williams gets the assist on it, um, and then Dayon gets the finish. Yeah. And that setup, you had three defenders set the goal up. Yeah. Pretty impressive. It is. And, and it was also about throwing numbers forward and, and trying to break down that back line. It was basically finally suffocation by force, which was the Galaxy just pressing so many numbers forward that there ended up being a hole left there. And as people pointed out, Dave Romney kept uh, Dayon on side on that as well. And then Dayon's uh, shot across goal and into the side net. Uh, Efrain Alvarez had a shot off the post. Um, I thought he was less than dangerous in this game for most of it. Costa had some chances, but he didn't get anything on frame really that was anything dangerous so I thought that was interesting the one Cabral move that probably should have resulted in the penalty kick was uh early in the first half whenever he was absolutely 100% tripped in the penalty box um and it was the subject of a pull reporter question as well why not because we do pull reporters and we have this question written uh although it didn't factor in the game the galaxy could have easily Kevin been winning this game one to nothing early in this game uh thanks to Kevin Cabral uh the referees said in their opinion that LA Galaxy's number nine Kevin Cabral had poked the ball from his opponent in the penalty area. Kevin, it was one of those plays where you you sneak up behind somebody and you steal a ball from them, right? Like somebody's getting ready to clear the ball in the penalty box and Cabral just comes right around him and steals the ball right off him. And then the guy who was going to kick the ball just kicks Cabral. It's a fluid play. It means that the defender didn't see Cabral coming, which means it's 100% a foul. Um, but we're, we've entered, and I said this, uh, uh, this the, the referee's opinion to finish it out, uh, uh, it had uh, poked the ball from his opponent in the penalty area immediately afterwards. There is minimal contact from the opponent, which the referee team felt was exaggerated by this attacker. So they're basically saying that Kevin Cabral exaggerated the contact. We have entered an era of VAR where referees have taken to judging the impact and force on slow motion replays. Um, and I don't know if they've ever run. And in fact, they have. They, they've been running down a field once and somebody just barely pinky toe just touches them whenever they're running and they fall flat on their butt. And yet they think that whenever somebody gets kicked straight across the legs that they're not supposed to fall down um, in some of this stuff. It boggles my mind, quite honestly, where they're sort of taking these VAR decisions. Um, and it's not the VAR fault. This is being able to uh, judge a situation very clearly that's happening and understand that they're not going to call. So Kevin Cabral gets kicked directly across the legs in this. And then we'll move on and, and sort of finish this out. Kevin Cabral gets kicked directly across the legs from behind. 100% a penalty kick, not even not even a doubt. I was like, oh, that's a penalty. They'll look at that VAR and overturn it and no problems. Oh, no, they're saying minimal contact the whole deal. He gets kicked across it. So, Kevin, tell me. So, Kevin Kevin Cabral is supposed to stay on his feet, right? He's supposed to stay on his feet because it's minimal contact. How many fouls do referees call whenever somebody stays on their feet? I think once every 20 or 40 times they might no, call I, something. I, I don't know if anyone's ever called a penalty for a guy that stayed up. They should though, right? Because you don't you're not allowed to they dive, should, Kevin. By that definition, yeah. Yeah, okay. So whose fault is it that players fall? Is it players' fault or is it referees' fault? It's referees' fault. I'll answer that question for you. It's referees' fault. It has been their fault for a long time. They don't understand that. Start blowing the whistle when a guy is getting chopped from behind and stays on his feet. Blow that whistle. All right. You know, one thing about you know, so Cabral's from France, grew up in France, learned to play in France, went to the PSG Academy. Um, one thing I've always heard is that American players are really bad at that very thing you're talking about when they get hacked in the box going down to draw the foul, draw the penalty, or at least show that there was contact, demonstrate there was contact. I think that's another thing when you stay up, the contact then looks minimal. But 
you know, American players have sort of always been taught, you know, run through it, you know, shake it off, um, rub some dirt on the on the owie and keep playing. And so they're very, most American players are very bad at that. I heard the only, like, of this generation, the only American player that was really good at it was Josie Altador. I mean, I, 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 sure, I guess. I mean, I think, I think American players are, are fine with it. I, I would say that, you know, the, the big knock on Kevin Cabral is that he was very much that way last year. And I think referees are still sort of judging him. It's a penalty kick. I mean, it's pretty clear and obvious and you don't need VAR to see it. The call was, was right there. When a guy steals a ball like that and you're running quickly, um, then any sort of contact really can throw you off and does throw you off a lot of times. And if you're a player and you don't go down, I would, if I was a coach, I would bench players for not falling whenever they get contacted in a box or something like that. I'd be like, no, it's your job to sell that. If you're in that spot and somebody hits you, they're never going to call a penalty kick unless you fall down. So fall down. I'll be happy with the yellow cards whenever they kick you. Just make sure there's contact. You can anticipate contact. I'm fine with that. Everybody does it. I did it whenever I played. I was not a good player, but I could draw a foul. Right? Chicharito does it all the time. He anticipates the contact. It's the slightest contact. He goes down. He gets a call foul. He gets a foul, uh, foul called because he's Chicharito. So anyway. What? Well, they're protecting him clearly, and it, it, you know that same thing happens in every sport. They protect Messi, they protect Gretzky in the NHL. But do you think the size of the player uh, should be a factor as well? And by that, I mean Chicharito's a big guy. Cabral is not; he's very slight. Uh, it, it, it is not as hard to knock Cabral down as it's knock Chicharito down. I mean, I would have a difficult time knocking any of those guys down. But yes, I agree. No, the the size of the player doesn't really matter. Uh, but there is force. I mean, sometimes it's just a fair challenge. Like when there's a really big guy and he comes up against like a smaller guy and they go shoulder to shoulder for a ball and the smaller guy goes flying into the bench because he went up against the bigger guy. It's like like, like, AJ, like AJ and Zlatan a couple of years ago. Remember right, that? Play? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not a foul. That's not a foul. But like I understand it's 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 force, right? For mass mass uh, force equals mass times acceleration, right? This no, is don't, this don't. is physics. This is no, physics. Don't. The, don't try that. the only math I can understand is physics. I want you to understand. I want you to know that. Like otherwise, uh, physics to me, uh, otherwise math to me makes no sense. But physics math make, makes a whole bunch of sense to me. Anyway, so um, that's where we sit with this game. Um, I, I did sh point out seventy-five percent possession for the LA Galaxy in the second half. That's a tremendous amount. Because you figured out how to do second half possession, which is the big takeaway there. I didn't. Let me talk about Sean Stefan because Sean um, used to write for Corner of the Galaxy way back in the day, um, and Sean has a unbelievably unique mind for analytics and all those sorts of things. Um, and so I went to Sean today and I was like, Hey, can you tell me what the second, second half possession was for the LA galaxy? Cause nobody breaks it down by half. Right. And he goes, well, possession is just passes. Like if you want to figure it out, just figure out the passes, however many passes and just divide it. And that's how you can figure out possessions. So if you have second half passes, you can figure out what second half possession is whole deal. And I'm like, and in my mind, I never knew that nobody ever explained it to me. And I said, wait a minute, Possession to me is like when the ball is on your foot and you have it, that time, that's time ticking away. Like if you have a chess clock, Kevin, like you would click the chess clock whenever like the Galaxy touch it. And then whenever, you know, um, and then whenever uh, Nashville have it, you click the chess clock in the other way and it counts that time. And then you can divide that time and you figure out what the possession is. That's how I was thinking in my mind how possession works. Like, apparently that's not just passes. So a guy who imagine this one team passes the ball around their entire, um, you know, back. Uh, back line so every 11 guys touch the ball and they do it within 10 seconds and then one guy in the other team just gets the ball once and he dribbles around for four minutes but nobody touches him the team that had more passes has more possession just I just want to I just want to point that out that's that doesn't work now obviously that's not what happens in soccer but that's how possession is counted 
um, in a lot of this stuff. So anyway, uh, but, but remember, yes. he likes math and you don't. So I'm going to go 100. Sean uh, went on to do analytics for the Houston Dynamo. And by the way, somebody should hire him because uh, he's very, very smart with all this stuff and he can explain it to me, which is nice. Um, but he wanted to do game flow. Um, and this game flow analysis is really interesting as well. And I'll sort of explain it for you. Those of you on the podcast is basically that every little, there's a bar graph and every little bar graph that you see either sways in one direction for the galaxy or in the other direction for Nashville. And it's the, like every action, how do, how do I say this? How Sean told me was an equal and opposite reaction that and every every action that is taken is weighed on how much uh, that could lead to a goal. Like how much of a likelihood is that to lead to a goal? And so basically it's like, oh, well, if you have these positive possessions, you're doing stuff, then your game flow, um, you know, your value difference there would be higher. Right. And so if you go and look in this. Basically, you could see every bar graph means a minute on this. So there's 90 little ticks all the way across this. And so you can see who was basically who was affecting the game more in each minute of the game. And if you look at this, Nashville has basically 23 times or 22 times where they were affecting the positive, like the likelihood of a goal more than the LA Galaxy. Right before halftime with Nashville, that looked like a really good opportunity. I think it was, I think it was one of the breakaways that they had coming down the center of the field. And the, the whole thing that Sean sort of pointed out in this game flow analysis is that the galaxy had, you know, only, they only gave away 23 minutes of basically of this game flow analysis to Nashville. So that means the galaxy dominated and we saw them dominate. Kevin, we saw everything in this shows that the Galaxy were dominating this game and were pressing Nashville and were doing everything they could to affect the positive outcome of this game, right? They were doing that. But if you look at the overall value of those, there's not any, many high chances of that. Even Jovalich barely cracks above the 0.1%. So while the Galaxy were definitely in control of this game, 100% in control, their effect towards the outcome of the game was actually pretty minimal. And that's one of the things that you sort of have to worry about just a little bit in this game. I said after this game, I said the LA Galaxy were basically 100% in control of this game. There was very few times when they were not in control, and yet the outcome was in doubt for 90 minutes, basically. right? You, you, just, argue, you just made an argument for Dayon to play more. You realize no, that, right? No, I don't. No, I didn't. You just o- made an argument for Only in your mind. No, it's not about... It. The whole idea is that like how these things effectively hit the outcome of these games. And the bottom line is that you can't tell me you sat there and were 100% sure that the LA Galaxy are going to win that game, even though they had 75% possession in the second half. No, you knew they weren't going to lose. I didn't know. Absolutely not. Wait, no, please don't say that. Because the the Galaxy were one counterattack away from losing that game. Yeah. But Nashville's was not going to get a counterattack without having the ball. They, they got I mean, the, it looked to me like a game the Galaxy were going to either draw or, 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 or get a goal and win. It didn't right. look like Nashville was really all that interested in, in trying to counterattack. I think Nashville looked like, hey, if we get out of here, our last road game, this this road trip from hell, eight straight games on the road, we'll take we'll take a point and we'll go home. We'll, we'll be happy with that. Like Chicago. Chicago didn't try to score against the Galaxy either. Uh, yeah, and, and totally true. The whole thing. I'm just saying that there was zero, uh, Nashville had a couple breakaways. The Galaxy snuffed them out well, but all it takes is one in that game. And I don't think that I've comfortable enough with this entire team of how they're playing in 2022 to sit there and say, oh, they won't lose this game. I would put it at a smaller percentage. Like there was only a 20% chance they were going to lose that game. Everything but else was probably... Like no, I mean, I like, uh, you know, general math. I'm just talking okay. about like advanced math stuff. So... 
Um, anyway, so that sort of put it in there. Uh, I wanted to highlight uh, our uh, our guest uh, co-host on occasion, Mr. Christian Miles, as well. He says, um, as deserved and comprehensive a one nothing LA Galaxy a, a win ever witnessed. Many, many wasted chances. Jovalich is a pure finisher. Cabral continues to struggle with end product despite being the most dangerous player on the field. Four clean sheets is a very good thing. I think that wraps everything up. And he is still correct. Cabral has been one of the more dangerous players on the field. It just hasn't accounted for anything. Uh, which again, sort of racks up that frustration factor there as well. So um, I can sort of understand that. It makes some sense to me. Um, Look at Christian's picture there on his Twitter thing. How come is, is he's like off center? No, that's that's like that's artsy, right? That's, that's artsy. Like, yeah, and you actually yeah. have to turn your camera back on if you're going to turn it off. All right. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, just it's just little things. I'm, you're the first first time anyone's ever said they want to see me. I, I just I, I would just like to point out. I think after your next 200 or 300 shows, you'll get this figured out. <laughs> Right. Eventually, eventually you get it. I, I'm telling you, I'm waiting for this Internet thing to blow over. It's just a fad. Uh, team of the week for the L.A. Galaxy is Williams. Uh, nobody else on the bench. Uh, Derek Williams makes one of the three defender spots back there. Like they couldn't have fit in an extra one to put Koulibaly in there as well. He absolutely deserves to be on there. Um, by the way, no shade at Derek Williams. Thought he played a fine game. He just wasn't the best defender on the field. And if you're going to put somebody on there, it should be Koulibaly. He got on they there really because like he... They like that three four three a lot. They're they're morons to the highest order. I don't even know who votes on that stuff. Um, a lot of it wouldn't necessarily be my choices on some of this on some of these things. Um, I wanted to point out some of the stats uh, here. The LA Galaxy have a chance at basically an undefeated April, uh, heading to RSL this weekend. Um, so with a win or a draw, they would be undefeated in April. Uh, if they win this game, Kevin, they would set a uh, they would break their winning streak from last year. So last year, uh, the longest winning streak they had was two games. So far this year, the longest winning streak they have is two games. Right. Um, so if they win at RSL, they would extend that to three game winning streak. It would also extend their four game unbeaten streak that they're on right now, which is tied for the most of last year. It would extend it to five if they draw or win at RSL. No, you're talking about just MLS games, right? Just because MLS, because I don't with, track. With the Open Cup, they're all, in all competition, they're, yeah. they would be at five. Yeah, and they would have won three in a row, right? Yeah. Um, or no, it wouldn't be because there was uh, the Chicago game uh, in right. there as well. So, um, But yeah, the unbeaten streak would be at five, but we only count um, league games. I only count league games. It's too it's too hard to just sort of do that other stuff. Uh, just a reminder, by the way, uh, for the it's been seven out of the eight games. That's not true. Six out of the eight games, the LA Galaxy have scored first. Um, and that has led them to a five and one record, five, one and oh record, uh, whenever they score first, there's one game, uh, the Chicago game where they didn't score at all. So that doesn't, and nobody, and they didn't score second either. Uh, and they didn't get scored on. So it was one of those that sort of gets thrown out. So of the eight games that have been played, seven of those games have recorded. They've only allowed a goal in, uh, first in one of them. And that was against Orlando at home where they ended up losing that game one to nothing. So that's something to sort of keep an eye on. I talked about it a little bit before sixth best start in franchise history for the LA galaxy, 16 points from uh, eight games. So averaging 2.0 points per game. That is one more point point than last year 2021 had 15 points through the first eight games um and if you go back you would have to go back to 2019 when they had 19 points through the first eight games or uh after that you have to go all the way back to 2022 and 2010 excuse me in 2010 when they had 22 points um through eight games that was uh something to sort of look at there as well i remember the 2019 team did not make the playoffs they did Great not start make the playoffs. i think you're going to talk i know in a minute about your favorite stat which is um projected goals allowed yeah i, I, I showed that a little earlier that well that that's a good stat i mean it 
they have only given up multiple goals once, right? The Seattle game is the only one. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but I think that's right. Uh, the LA Galaxy gave up 54 goals last season, Kevin. Right now, through if we project through 34 games based upon how many goals they've allowed so far, 25 and a half goals right now. Um, so that's ba- that's more than cutting it in half. Uh, whether right, I- and, and, right, and we talked about they've cut the 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 shots on goal in half too. I mean, it's all training in the right direction. And if you if you agree with me that the, the offense is struggling and it need that that it's it's in trouble a little bit. Hey, if you're only giving up one goal a game, like multiple goals in one game this year, if you're going to give up one goal a game, even if your offense is struggling, you know you're probably going to get out of there with a draw, one one at at least maybe one nothing like this week. Well, um, well, you know, as long as the defense is playing like that, it can sort of take up some of the slack until the offense figures some of these things out. I, I will say this. The LA Galaxy scored 50 goals last year uh, in, in Major League Soccer. 50, that's what Chicha scoring all of his goals as well. 17 out of 20 in 21 games. Uh, the Galaxy right now, based on how many goals they're scored, would, would have, are going to score 42 and a half. So about eight goals, seven and a half goals underneath where they were um, in this. So, Again, it's something to sort of watch, but if they can cut down on the amount of goals in half and they score 43 goals, they'll be just fine. <laughs> that, won't, that won't work. That that will not be an issue for this LA Galaxy team uh, in terms of how they the defense. So if they can keep that defensive thing going forward, the amount of goals they're scoring so far is plenty of goals to get them into the playoffs and probably a lot further into the playoffs than just you know no, one game. No. When you look at how well the defense has played, and and a, a big cause for that is the two center backs, right, Sega and and Derek Williams. When Derek Williams has been out there, I know they didn't start the season there. They have had some time together, Bond and the two center backs. Do you think the communication has improved? Do you think it's something that Vanny changed the way of playing? Do you, or do you think these guys got comfortable with one another? That that Derek and and Sega know where they're supposed to be with Bond. It is the team defense. It's not just those guys. It, it is a. It is so much what Delgado is doing in the midfield and his positioning. It's so much what Vellison is doing. It's what Cabral is doing. It's what Grant Sur is doing. It's these recovery runs. It's even Efrain and Alvarez, which was a rarity, but he plays defense a little bit more now. Um, and even what he's doing, it is defense first. And basically, Greg Vanny and, and he he laid out the the laid it all out for everybody earlier this year, which was if you don't play defense, then you're not going to play on this team. I don't care what else happens. You have to play defense on this team. Um, and so everybody has taken that to heart. The team defense is so much better. So you're not getting into situations. I mean, there was a breakaway from Nashville, and you had Delgado tracking back at full speed. You had Gabral tracking back at full speed. You know, Grant Sur is trying to get back in that. Ravellison is chasing in there. You have six guys who are all trying to converge on basically two or three attackers. Um, and, and they're able to cut out, and they do it smartly, and, they, and they're running routes right now. I mean... You know, just Delgado's positioning alone cuts out so many passes through the midfield that there aren't as many sort of uh, there uh, odd number rushes or, or you know, better chances where it's coming. So it's a team defense thing. It is Koulibaly certainly getting confident. Greg Vanny talked about it. Go listen to our postgame uh, uh, media call that we uh, did and it's posted up on YouTube. You can find all of the stuff. Uh, Greg Vanny talked. Uh, Dayan Jovalich talked. Jovalich talked about getting uh, the Lars lift. By the way, that's a thing now. Did you know this? Is, did you know that's a thing, Kevin? The Lars lift. It's it's become a thing. Uh, Dayon ran over to the corner and then got. Uh, I asked him about it afterwards too, uh, and he went over to the Lars corner and put his hands up, and the guys from Lars just grabbed his hands and pulled him right up into the uh, into the the capo stand. Um, one of our uh, our listeners, Daniel, says uh, yellow for Dayon taking off his shirt because he took off his shirt after he scored that goal, so he got a yellow card. Is it another yellow for jumping into the crowd, or does it count as the same celebration? couple things on that because people were arguing that. Um, I argue that the capo stand is not part of the crowd. 
it's actually inside the confines of the stadium. Um, and if the capital stand wasn't there, you would just be on concrete. You're actually not in the stands. It's a separate area that's not in the stands. So did he leave the play of er, the, the area of play? In my mind, he didn't. So I will I will say that. The other thing is that likely it's the same infraction. Uh, there's a letter of the law, and then there's the interpretation of that. And you 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 sit there and say, okay, I understand. That's fine. It's the so same. It's the same like celebration. The, it's like the Lambo leap. It is, except there's the Lars lift, uh, which. It, it, Go ahead. I, w- I was just going to say, don't think that Greg Vanny's invented, uh, reinvented himself as a coach. He was extremely successful, as we know, in Toronto. He was a national team defender and an all-MLS defender when he played for the Galaxy back in his playing days. He's always been defense first. Remember, he had a team that lost an MLS Cup final without giving up a shot <laughs> on goal. Which he reminded I mean, us about. <laughs> we, yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, it's clearly bother- it still bothers him, but... I mean, imagine that. And and this was a team with Michael Bradley and Josie Altador and, you know, a lot of really, really good players. Um, and uh, they were a defensive minded team. So this is totally in uh, the, the way that Greg Vanny uh, manages. This is what he's comfortable doing. And and, um, you know, I, you're probably right. It took him a year to, to get this defense first mindset uh, to sort of settle in. And now we're seeing the result of that. Uh, LA Galaxy schedule coming up. We'll, we'll wrap up the show. Uh, Galaxy will play Real Salt Lake 12.30 p.m. on uh, April 30th, so that'll be the last uh, last day of the month there. Uh, that game on Univision and TUDN. Um, at altitude. At altitude. It's it, Listen, it's a tough game. Uh, RSL's a bit of a cluster right now, so I'm not really sure what to make of... of sort. They lost a, a USL game um, in, in the Open Cup. They lost to a USL team. Um, they have not, they have not, by the way, they were supposed to, they had a, like a quote unquote, they were going to have a record crowd for an open cup game. Uh, and then they lost to the USL side, um, to do that. So they're very much a hit and miss team. Uh, they always seem to play the galaxy well, so that'll be something to sort of watch. So that'll be the last game of the month, uh, to sort of wrap it up. And like we said, chance for the LA galaxy to be undefeated in the, in the month of April, five games coming up in May as well. Plus a us open cup game, which is in there as well. Let's give you a little update on the open cup. Um, I'm hearing at least uh, preliminarily, and I'm trying to figure out exactly if this this is true 100%, but I believe it is. Uh, I saw an email go out uh, to some Cal United strikers FC people, um, but basically hearing word that the U.S. Open Cup tickets for the LA Galaxy's match against Cal United strikers FC will go on sale this Wednesday at noon. At noon. A reminder that that's a sale through Cal United, and that stadium seats about 5,000 people. Um, I heard, I think when the galaxy went down there to play, they said it, they could expand that to about seven. So I don't know what the total count is, but it's probably between seven and four is the total amount of tickets that they're going to be able to sell for this. Um, and all those tickets right now are being sold through Cal United. I imagine the galaxy will get some for supporters tickets in order to go down there to, to Cal United. Um, but for the most part, if you're going to want to be part of this game, uh, you're going to want to buy tickets from Cal United. I'm trying to reach out to their PR person to, to find out. Uh, if all of that is true, but we'll we'll try to figure that out tomorrow. Is, is that their home field? I know Orange County Soccer Club plays there at yeah. the Great Park. Mm-hmm. Cal United also plays there. Yep, yep. It's a really nice stadium. I really like it a lot. Oh yeah, it's it's super. It's it's a super nice little cool stadium. Like, again, it's it's a stadium size that I would love for the LA Galaxy to build out in front of Dignity Health Sports Park to sort of have. LA Galaxy two games there, or if you have like a women's team or U.S. Open Cups teams or that type of thing, you have like an eight thousand, nine thousand person stadium that you could sort of reliably what's wrong with put the up. Stadium? It's not a not a soccer stadium. That's what's wrong with it. Um, I just I'm just trying for the good of the game. I'm trying to figure some of this stuff out. Uh, I think that about does it. The standings for the LA Galaxy right now are are uh, pretty self explanatory. Galaxy in third place in the Western Conference behind uh, LAFC with nineteen points. Austin who continue to win. Um, 
they're they're really sort of throwing this whole Austin isn't going to be good thing uh, out the window for me. And I watched some of their games, and I'm still not convinced they played anybody of any sort of real merit. Um, but that being said, it's not just fluke. So the Galaxy get to play Austin twice next month. Um, so that'll be something to to watch there as we as we do that. Um, Galaxy in third place, 16 points. Dallas. 15 points. Galaxy play Dallas next month as well. Minnesota, 14 points. Galaxy play Minnesota next month. A Real Salt Lake, they play at the end of this month. Uh, and then the Houston Dynamo, they play in May as well. So you're talking about a lot of teams, the LA Galaxy, who are playing all above the playoff line uh, coming up here at the end of April and now into uh, into May. So just well, something to keep know, an eye on. You know where the Galaxy is in the Supporter Shield race? They are in fourth place in the Supporter Shield. So not bad. Uh, not not horrible sort of way to to go. Um, no, but and just more proof that the Western Conference is superior. Uh, it's the first division, and Eastern Conference is the second division. Except that, as uh, as was rightfully called out, uh, Alexis says RSL got uh, got got hit pretty hard, six to nothing by New York City. Um, so you know, it's every once in a while. Like I said, RSL is a question mark right now. I'm not really sure so, how so to, how to look at New that. York, New York City beat. Real Salt Lake six to nothing. Mm-hmm. The Galaxy and the Galaxy beat New York City one to nothing. So yeah. the Galaxy should win seven to nothing. The, exactly the the transitive properties, of course. See the math, the math. I can do math. I'm glad. Uh, all right, I think that does it. Uh, show coming up on Thursday. Eric will be my co-host on Thursday. We'll get you ready for the RSL game. Uh, I am out of town this weekend, but should be able to cover that RSL game. Shouldn't be a problem. Um, he says, uh, knowing that he's going to be in a Rocky Mountain state, so maybe I'll be blocked out by some weird way of not being able to watch the game. So maybe I'll be VPNing it like a lot of people. Um, so I'll get to watch that game. Uh, the following week, uh, there's a question mark about the show on Thursday and whether or not that one will happen because I'll be traveling on Wednesday. I should be back by Thursday afternoon and into the studio by Thursday night. But right now, there's a question. I'll keep you updated what, on that. What do you? What do we pay you for? Come on, man. Yeah, have I a know. little Tell bit of dedication about. to this. Tell me about. It. Well, the worst part is I'm going to I'm going to Dallas, and I told Hammer, I'm like, hey, Hammer, I'm going to Dallas. Like I'm gonna be in his bed neck. He can take me out to dinner, right? Like we could we could, we could say hi, the whole deal. Um, and then that dude's like, oh, I'm not gonna be there. Can you believe that? I make one trip to Dallas all year, and he's decided to be out well, of town that day. He lives really close to the Soccer Hall of Fame. You mm. could have gone to see that, too. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Frisco, Texas, to see the Soccer Hall of Fame? You bet. And I know why you're taking all this time off, because Dayon's going to start, and he's going to have a bunch of goals, and you're not going to want to talk about it. I, I would be, I mean, I would be highly surprised if Dayon starts. Just, I'm just, okay. I'm going to put that out there right now for everybody. I don't want to crush everybody's <laughs> hopes and dreams, but I would be highly suspect if that happens. That means that Chicha got hurt in training. That's what that meant. If Dayon's starting, Chicha got hurt. I'll watch. Greg will be like, oh, got to start him. Hot hand. Got to yeah. put him in. So he'll be able to. Got to embarrass Josh. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm sure he listens to this podcast saying that. Um, so anyway, that'll do it. Anything else, Kevin, you want to get to, or are we good? Yeah, hat trick for Dan this weekend. Oh, I, you know what? Before we go, I have to. I I forgot one of the best oh, parts yeah, about the game. Hat tricks. Uh, yeah. One of the best parts of the game on uh, on Saturday was one um, the the Yakacon chicharron, uh, which was the first time I've ever had that, uh, and it was it was very good. I like it not as much as I like pupusas, but I really love pupusas. Um, so so the after guys is still great. I don't want to say it wasn't great. It was still great. It just wasn't as good as pupusas, which I still had two of with some rice and beans. Absolutely outstanding. But whenever they said they had hats that they were wearing, um, I was I was like, well, where's my hat, right? And so I walked up, and they had they had my hat sitting there waiting for it. I, I attempted to pay for it, uh, by the way, and they would not let me. But I now have my pupusas hat, um, which is probably my favorite hat ever. My wife says I'm not allowed to wear it out in public with her. But you know what? She doesn't go with me a lot of places, so I can wear it a lot of places. You look so. like one of the 
guys in the, the truckers in the in the freedom convoy. <laughs> I doubt they would have pupusas on their hat. <laughs> that doesn't really seem to fit that that demo oh, yeah. very well, right? Although very much is like, oh yeah, well, but I still love Mexican food. Yeah, where do you think that comes from? Um, so obviously, hey, uh, hey Vern. Uh, so somebody somebody said that I should that I'm an honorary Salvi uh, because of how much I love pupusas, and I said let's not go crazy there because I, I don't know that they'd want to adopt me. So um, you got to use Bitcoin. I'm not. See, that's exactly why I'm definitely not going to do that. Uh, so anyway, that's what we got. Uh, let's get out of here. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Uh, I like how he steps on that. So at kbaxter11, so that way you can definitely get there. Uh, if you're looking for uh, his all of his writing, latimes.com is where you can find it. Head on over there. He has a newsletter. Make sure you subscribe to that newsletter. Uh, it's great. It provides a lot of information about soccer in Southern California. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jguessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com. We got the press conference conference up there the post game uh you can hear from dayon yovalich about the lars lift that's a thing now spread it around tell your friends uh the lars lift and the la galaxy's one nothing win great to hear from everybody there all right for mr kevin the panda baxter i'm josh pato guessman you've been listening you've been watching the corner of the galaxy from the box on corner of the galaxy.com have a great one everybody you've been listening to the corner of the galaxy podcast on corner of the galaxy.com you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.